When the whole family comes together to watch the game, nobody wants to miss a second of the action to run to the grocery store. With Instacart, you can get all your weekly groceries in as fast as an hour. Less time shopping means more game time. Let's go. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, it's Drew Powell from uh, Fox TV's Gotham. I play Butch slash Solomon Grundy. And you are listening to The Jake Brown Show. And welcome to the Jake Brown Show, CBS Radio's Radio.com podcast network. No longer the Play.it network. You can find us on iTunes and Spotify as well. Follow me at Jake Brown Radio and follow the show at Jake Brown Show. Oh boy, we got a lot to get into, including uh, plenty of Trump stuff, unfortunately, that has taken over my TV set. You can't spell ESPN anymore without CNN, apparently, and it's been nonstop. Every time I turn the TV on, we're addressing the national anthem, quote-unquote, protest. We're addressing Trump. We're addressing kneeling, sitting, standing, and what has become a now sideshow. The national anthem should have its own pregame show before the game starts anymore. Because everyone's getting their face on camera for that. Also, we'll talk about Carmelo Anthony. He's on the move. The deal has happened. We talked with Dean Oliver, the godfather of basketball analytics, who (laughs) said it was creepy that we called him godfather on Twitter, which I found funny. Um, And he joined us. You can check out that interview. It's available now. And we talked about a potential mellow trade, and we recorded before it happened. It happened on Saturday. The Knicks get Enos Cantor. They get Doug McDermott, and they get a second-round pick. A pretty good return once Melo added those other teams. It, it gave the Knicks a better return than anything they would have got from the Houston Rockets, which would have included Ryan Anderson's gargantuous contract. Uh, Doug McDermott's a, a swingman, plays the two, plays the three. Really is a three-point shooter and not much else, but hey, the Knicks could use a three-point shooter now with Melo gone and mix in with Michael Beasley at the small forward position. And that's pretty intriguing. Enos Cantor, a guy who... Only played 20 minutes a game last year and put up 14 points. If this guy plays 30 minutes, he could average 20 a game from in the paint. Pair him with Kristaps Porzingis, Willie Hernan Gomez, Joakim Noah, and all of a sudden the Knicks have some depth in the front court, and it allows them to potentially play Joakim Noah off the bench, which would be good because this guy has become an offensive liability. He can't stay on the floor, and if he's on the floor, he might be on performance-enhancing drugs uh, considering he's suspended for the first 12 games of the season, but I want to address the Trump stuff and the national anthem because Sunday, that's what the games were about. Unfortunately, it wasn't about football. It was about something other than football and sports, what we love. My God, it's become so political and I usually don't like to get politics involved, but now it's everywhere. So I'm going to get it involved. Sports is something that brings people together. It's something that'll make two people with different beliefs, cultures, skin colors, ages, interests come together for one for their team, their love of a sport, or a player. Yet all these things we love about sports are being put on the back burner 
as it's seemingly become the president versus the people. The standing, sitting, kneeling, not showing up to the national anthem before an NFL game has taken front page headlines from the 60 minutes of the actual football game. You now can't spell ESPN without CNN. President Trump, I'm sorry, Donald Trump's concern with players not standing and challenging those players, or I'm sorry, those sons of bitches that won't stand, has come to the forefront instead of the billion other issues going on right now in our country. Half of those issues seem to be caused or made worse by the man of the Oval Office. What we think of as life seems to now be a wrestling match where two sides go at it, with one of them being the heel. And that heel is Trump. Only fitting for a guy who's in the WWE Hall of Fame. Apparently, sons of bitches are not able to exercise their First Amendment rights anymore. It's not about disrespecting the flag as much now as it is players trying to take a stand. And this is their way of doing it better than any other way, as we have seen from every channel, every newspaper, every website. Players don't want to represent a nation that has sickening actions go down in Charlottesville, with the president essentially having no problem with it, saying that there are good people on both sides. Trump is triggering many people with his Twitter fingers, in the words of Drake. Almost every tweet is controversial. Every statement makes you wonder how the hell someone this foolish is running what should be the greatest country in the world. Meanwhile, other countries are laughing at the mess that's going on here in the United States of America. 50 states that aren't as united as they should be, in large part to one man decide to go at people, raise genders, and set a horrible example for our youth. Listen, I don't like talking politics at all. I like to keep it about sports because that's what I love. But when politics works its way into sports, where you can't turn away from it, the issue has to be discussed. I want to talk about the Jets actually winning a game. I want to talk about the officials getting the insane ending of the Lions-Falcons game correct. I want to break down the Giants' season in shambles just three weeks in after losing to a rookie kicker on a record-breaking 61-yard field goal to end the game. And I want to talk about NBA training camp getting underway. A new big three in OKC, Hoodie Mello, the new look Knicks, and the insane finish to the NBA offseason. I want to focus on all the things that we love about sports. But how could we right now? The National Anthem has become its own show. Headlines will continue to read National Anthem protest, but it's not the National Anthem that's being protested. It's the one-man clown show in the White House that we're protesting. It's affecting everything from A to Z, and I've just about had enough of the nonsense we have to read every single day. We live in an age where something new is trending every two minutes. Content, 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 and our attention spans are too short to deal with it. Sadly, it seems like it's the same BS over and over again, and it won't be ending after any of these peaceful protests. The Nazis takes away from the game we love every week and it's turned into a sideshow. What player wants to come to the White House when Ringley Barnum Bailey's lead clown is sitting at the throne? Or the nation's capital biggest bum? Thanks for that one, LeBron. Players are using their voice to speak up and make a difference and it's become a war of words. And unless impeachment happens, who knows when it will stop. The only son of a bitch is the one making a mockery of the presidency 
and that would be you, Donald Duck Trump. But me saying Donald Duck Trump would actually be a disservice to Donald Duck. This is the Jake Brown Show, CBS Radio's Radio.com podcast network. You can find us on iTunes and Spotify. Sorry, I got fired up on that one. But it, it, it's, it's sad when I can't even turn on a channel without this stuff coming up. And I, it seems like our nation is divided. You have the people who support him, which seems to be more the minority. And you have the people, oh, I guess with the, the how the election went, maybe it is the majority. And then you have the people who are, are kneeling, who are sitting, who are standing, or who are on the other side. And it, it's become, I, I keep saying it, a sideshow because you can't turn on NFL Live, you can't turn on ESPN, you can't turn on Fox without us saying these guys protesting the anthem. And you know what? I just want to talk about sports. There's so many other cool things going on and good things going on and big news going on, a la mellow. I'll have some great upsets in the NFL. Baseball playoffs are around the corner. And the only thing we can focus on is the guy in the Oval Office. The only thing we can focus on is Steph Curry saying, I have no part in wanting to go to the White House. And can you blame him? Can you blame LeBron James calling him, you bum? Can you blame these players for speaking out? Peaceful protests are part of the First Amendment. This is as peaceful as it gets. Guys kneeling for the National Anthem. But for some reason, peaceful protests in your First Amendment rights, I guess I guess you can't exercise those. That's the only form of exercise that I could do right now, considering I'm getting called fat by the lady in the security office. That's my exercise, exercise in the First Amendment. Because there hasn't been a treadmill in my sight or an elliptical in a while. No one's getting fired. No one's getting suspended. You see teams locking arms as one. And the unfortunate situation with the fact that the Steelers offense, Lyman Alejandro Villanueva, had to apologize. I mean, it's, he said it was an accident that he was out there because he got stuck by a, behind a Bears flag. A guy who served, three, I believe it was three terms in Afghanistan, and served our country. And now, to make it even worse, Trump is using this whole would you stand and would you sit, Neil, as part of his... Um, his campaign. He's been sending out emails saying, stand with Trump, stand for the anthem. Do you stand for the anthem? And it's becoming part of a campaign. I, I was reading on Twitter, people like tweeting out pictures of this becoming in an email to them. And he's using it for maybe his 2020 re-election. And I mean, you know when I'm starting to talk politics, it's, it's getting real because I never do. I didn't vote. I admit it. I didn't think either party was was in the right. I thought they both weren't great candidates. But listen, I don't know enough to make a vote, so I'm not going to make an uninformed vote. 
if I'm not educated on this topic. But how could you not be educated now when I can't even freaking watch an NFL Sunday ticket? And here it is again. The booing at the NFL football game last night when the entire Dallas team dropped their knees was loud as I've ever heard. Great anger, said Donald Trump. The Cowboys, by the way, kneeled before the anthem, and then they did stand for the actual anthem. And and guys are using it. It's working. These protests are working out. When will it end? I've had just about enough. It's too much. Any player that kneels, And here goes Gruen tweeting from Jacob Wohl's account saying that I'm insulting the president. He wants me to have Trump antagonists, and I knew he would do this if he was here. Attack me on Twitter. And no matter what these people are going to say, this is as peaceful of a protest as you're going to get. It, 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 they, it, these players don't disrespect the flag and those who have served. Unfortunately, the headlines make it seem that way, and some people will twist it to be that way, but it's not. And Gruen has lost his mind and tweets that I hope he will soon delete before I punch him in the face and show him that my fat ass can still beat his ass. Oh man, but it's tough to deal with here. When I I I'm, I love sports, and I it's getting ruined by this guy, just continuing to attack players and calling them sons of bitches, sobs. The tweets just aren't necessary. He's just why? What's the point? Let these guys protest and continue with what the issues. Are in our country. America is always going to come first. But. How are people going to defend Charlottesville? How are people going to defend. Someone who's not letting them exercise their rights. They're not hurting anyone. They're not killing anyone. They're kneeling. And at first I'll admit. I was against sitting and kneeling. and But now it's just become. An issue where it's a war of words and it's just too much. But let's get off this topic because Carmelo Anthony is headed to the Thunder. And as I said, good deal, I think, for the Knicks considering what they would have got if they did a deal with Houston. Cleveland was not going to trade Kevin Love. Kevin Love wasn't going to the Knicks. So that that's the only deal that would have been better. Honestly, I think Enos Kanter is much better than Tristan, Tristan Thompson. You don't want keeping up with the Kardashians coming to Madison Square Garden, especially after their 10-year anniversary. The only reason I know that is because girls are snapping the damn show. 10-year anniversary, yippee, who gives a F you, you know what. I don't care about the Kardashians, and I don't want that sideshow in New York. So I think the next best deal for the Knicks, and I wrote it prior to the trade happening, I said Cantor and McDermott for Melo, and it happened. So I, I guess I should buy Mega Millions tickets. It's not that hard to determine because I don't think Steven Adams is going to work. And the th- I don't want Andre Roberson, who is an offensive liability. So then the best deal the Knicks could have got is a starting center who put up 14 a game in 20 minutes, and Doug McDermott, who's only a couple years in, who's a 40% three-point shooter, 
and plays the same position that Mello plays. So it worked out well where the Knicks got some depth here. They waved Chas and Randall, cut it from five point guards to four. Those four should make the team. Jeff Hornacek's going to have decisions to make based on the point guard. Does he start Jared Jack if he's healthy? Will he start Frank Nikina? And I watched the YouTube pronunciation of how he says his name, and I still have trouble pronouncing his name. It's like Nikina, Nitakina, whatever it is. Nitalikina. He he says that there's all different ways to say it. He probably should start just so you can help him grow, but he may also come off the bench. It all depends really on Jack, and I think Sessions is a lock to come off the bench. And Ron Baker, I would be shocked if he starts. So the Knicks starting five on opening night, you would think should look something like Frank, Hardaway, Beasley, Porzingis, Cantor. Maybe they start McDermott over Beasley. But Michael Beasley's favorite player is Michael Beasley. And your favorite's favorite player is Michael Beasley. And your mom's favorite player is Michael Beasley. And your grandmama's favorite player is Michael Beasley. That's essentially what Beasley said in the press conference last week. He said, your favorite player's favorite player is me. I love the confidence. You could say he's full of himself. But Michael Beasley is a guy who was one of the top picks in the draft who puts up points in a heartbeat when he is on the floor and he's healthy and has had some issues in his career off the court. But it seems like he's got those squared away. And now Michael Beasley is ready for a fresh start, and he has been put in a big role now at the veterans' minimum, the Knicks sign up for cheap, low risk, high re- reward potential, and his showtime at the Apollo minus the Kiki Shepherds. In the words of Ludacris, now we see what we get in Michael Beasley because he's going to have 25 minute, 30 minute game potentially if he puts up points and takes over for that mellow role of guy put up points. And I got to say this, and I have a piece coming out today on Nick's blog of just a, a kind of goodbye to Carmelo Anthony. Was he a top five Nick of all time? No. Was he a top tick? Te, excuse me. Was he a top 10 Nick of all time? Yes. Carmelo Anthony got here in 2011 at the trade deadline and wrote the ship. The Knicks hadn't made the playoffs since 0304. And in that season, they were under 500 at 39 and 43 when they slid into the playoffs. They got swept by the New Jersey Nets back in the Jason Kidd days. Days when that series was tough for me because I was a Knicks and Nets fan. I still am a Knicks and Nets fan. And the Nets, when Jason Kidd got there, that was my guy. I loved the Nets. Kidd, Kittles, Van Horn, Todd McCullough, and Councilman Pat behind the boards is a big New Jersey Nets turned Brooklyn Nets fan. And so it was growing. Um, but he turned the Knicks into a winner immediately. 2010, 2011, they make the playoffs. 2011, 2012, they make the playoffs. And 2012, 2013 was one of the best regular seasons in Knicks history. 54 win season, a trip to the semifinals where they did lose to the Pacers. The year prior, they lose to King James, who went on to win the NBA Finals. And the year prior, they lose to the Celtics. Who had Garnett, Pierce, and all those guys. Rondo. So, Melo wrote this ship and turned this team into a winner. Sure, it went downhill from there. But how are you going to blame one player for that? Once those veterans were gone, those veterans' career was over, and those veterans I speak of are Rasheed Wallace, Jason Kidd, and that cast of characters they had on that team that helped the Knicks win the Atlantic 
and win 54 games, they were gone. The Knicks were a different story. And the Knicks just kept on changing head coaches. And how are you going to deal with head coaching changes, a bad roster, and still try and be a winner because of one superstar? You're just not. And Carmelo Anthony has his lovers, has his haters, has the people in between. I didn't love him. I didn't hate him. I don't know if I'm in between. I'm like above in between. So there's like upper class, middle class, lower class. Maybe I'm upper middle class in that. Financially, I'm lower class right now. Like I'm 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 on the streets on thirty I'm on thirty fourth street. I'm outside the garden doing freestyles for dollar bills. And listen. Glenn Grunwald told us on the J and J breakdown that maybe they should have waited for Carmelo to become a free agent. And you know what? He's right. They gave away a lot. They gave away Danilo Gallinari. Gallinari turned out to be a good player. A lot of knee struggles, a lot of injuries. And the Nuggets didn't do much, but was a good player. Wilson Chandler couldn't stay healthy. Wilson Chandler, I mean, this guy could not stay in the core, then went overseas. So Wilson Chandler was whatever. He gave away first-round pick. He gave away a couple other minor pieces. Listen, they didn't give away they didn't give away the boat. They didn't give it all away to get Carmelo Anthony. He came here and took them to the playoffs. But when it all went downhill, Mike Woodson's here, he gets canned. Derek Fisher comes along. That was a that was a Matt Barnes Barnes and Noble debacle. Then he leaves and Kurt Rambis comes here and needs a new hairpiece and he's a disaster. He leaves and Hornacek comes here and his first season is a disaster. And how could you blame Melo for not wanting to be here? How could you blame Melo for not wanting to leave? Now is the perfect time. Phil Jackson drove him out. Phil Jackson essentially was the car service to get Melo out of here. He was had him around his finger at the trade deadline hearing deal offers. All he said was trying to trade him. Then he started to talk about a poor Zingas trade rumor. And then they said, you know what? Jim Dolan's like, I got JD in the straight shot practice. We got to get rid of Phil Jackson. I can't focus on this anymore. I got I got to play the cause I got to play the harmonica at the city winery. I got a show to I got a show to do. I got an album to work on, which probably finished behind William Hung's debut album, American Idol. JD and the Straight Shot now available at Fye. Fye might be out of business. Who knows? Borders went out of business. Fye might be out. Blockbuster. I saw a Blockbuster like a month ago, and I was shocked that Blockbuster was still a thing. With Netflix, with Crackle, by the way, which I was watching Sports Jeopardy on Friday. And way to get sidetracked here. But I was binge-watching Sports Jeopardy. So that tells you where my life is at right now. Binge-watching Sports Jeopardy on Crackle! Which apparently it's free. I didn't know. On Google Chromecast. But, back to Mello. <laughs> and... Hindsight's twenty twenty. You could say you could have waited for him to be a free agent. You could have said you shouldn't have signed him to that five-year extension. But when you look back on it, it's the right move at the time. The Knicks weren't going to bring anyone in without a star. Amari brought Mello in, essentially. And Mello brought in other guys. Unfortunately, those other guys haven't panned out. Joe Kim Noah is a bad signing. And the rest is history. 
But Mello was a first-class guy, first-class Nick. He did great things for the organization and getting them to the playoffs three straight years for the first time in a decade from 99 to 01. And he was great off the court. I covered charity events he was at, his pro camps. Met him there. And he's always did good for the community. He's always been good with the media. And sure, he wasn't maybe good this last year, but when your name's floating around in trade rumors every day, you don't know what to do. And he was in a spot where he wanted to get out of here before things went downhill. The Knicks are been another direction as Melo. Melo's 34 years old. He wants to win a title now. He's going to go to Oklahoma City Thunder, form a big three with Paul George and Russell Westbrook, and they're going to have to divvy up shots. 30 shots apiece may become 20 or 25. These guys are going to have to try and make it work. On paper, it's the NBA 2K World Star team. It's the team that you, you don't want to play in NBA 2K, but will it work in real life is yet to be seen. I think it will just because they're all three superstar talented players, and Melo knows he's not going to be in the front seat next to Russell, and he knows he's 34 and older than Paul George, and that he is kind of the third wheel. You're going on a date, and you got the girl's friend coming along. The girl's friend is Carmelo Anthony. He'll probably be the third scorer on that team. But he's still got a huge role to play. And that's going to be an interesting team to watch. And how will they do it? Melo at the four. George at the three. Russell at the one. Roberson maybe at the two. And center Steven Adams. Not a bad starting five. The Thunder, though, will not beat the Rockets. And they will not beat the Warriors. Will they beat the Spurs? Maybe. We'll see. The Spurs another year older. But again, the Spurs every year we say that. And they still prove us wrong. So the Thunder are still number four, probably, in the Western Conference. Meanwhile, what does it do for the Knicks? It makes the Knicks a respectable team that's not tanking, that is trying to build instead of tank. And we talked about that with Dean Oliver and the Knicks right now are a team that you want to watch. They're fun. Rookie 19-year-old point guard, Tim Hardaway Jr. getting big money. Will he live up to it? Michael Beasley looking like he's in great shape and he's talking all the good stuff. We'll see what we get from him. Three-point shooter in McDermott. Porzingis becoming the face of the team now after a couple years in the league. Now is his time. A scoring machine at center in Enos Kanter, one that is great with the media. Said some, said some great stuff with the media. And still other pieces on the bench. Four point guards, as I mentioned. The two small forwards, you have Hernan Gomez off the bench and no when he comes back after the game 12. And the Knicks roster in that back, Courtney Lee off the bench. So the Knicks are still going to potentially contend for an eight seed in the in the weak Eastern Conference, top-heavy Eastern, Co- Eastern Conference. Weastern, I should call it. Weekstern. The Weekstern Conference. Um, and the Knicks are going to be fun to watch. Maybe not make the playoffs, but they won't be terrible. And I don't think they're going to be a top-five pick. They have a roster on paper that is respectable, that has a low-risk, potentially high-reward guys that the Knicks are going to hope for the high-reward side of it. But that's a wrap to an NBA offseason, potentially. This was the final. This was the icing on the cake. Training camp is underway today, officially, and the NBA is right around the corner. And how fitting that the Knicks play the Thunder on opening night in OKC. It would be only fitting if it was at the Garden, a game that I would have to be at. Paging, paging Knicks block. Have to be there. But it's an OKC.
And it's only fitting the schedule worked out that way where the Knicks will play Mel on opening night. This is Jake Brown, show CBS Radio's Radio.com, Podcast Network, iTunes, and Spotify. We're going to get into NFL Week 3 now for just a little bit before we call Omar Benson Miller from Bowlers. HBO, where Season 3 came to an end on Sunday and once again leaves me where I am right now on the edge of my seat. Let's get into it. NFL Week 3 real quick before Omar Miller. Let's do it. I am at opening day home opener on Sunday. The Jets beat the Dolphins for the first win of the season. Shout out to the Gotham, the Gotham City crew for making it happen. Flight deck seats were great. The tailgate was awesome and had an overall great time seeing a Jets win, which right now is so rare that you have to cherish it. Did I want them to win? Of course not, but I'm not going to root against a team with a game I'm at. And they played great. They went 20-6. to six. Dolphins fall to 1-1. One one. The Giants... Man, they lose a heartbreaker. Now 0-3, they lose to the Eagles, who go 2-1. The Giants now 0-3, 61-yard field goal for Elliott in the final seconds. And my God, Ben McAdoo's seat is hotter than it is right outside right now because he is in trouble trying to call plays, be a head coach. And now the Giants find a way to collapse in the last second in a game that should have went to overtime. Just horrific job. By the Giants, whose season is in shambles. OBG, OBJ was in the doghouse, literally. He was on the floor being a dog in the end zone, taking a piss on the Eagles. Meanwhile, the rookie kicker pissed all over him. The Jaguars crushed the Ravens 44-7. I don't even want to talk about the, that game, considering I uh, obviously picked the Ravens, and that turned out poorly. Ravens 2-1 and one with the loss. Jaguars get a win. That was in London, and those London games never worked out. The Patriots-Texans game, one of the games of the week. Patriots now 2-1, Texans fall to 1-2. Deshaun Watson, I, you know, I, I'm in love with Deshaun Watson. He almost found a way to win at Foxborough in a game that, you, again, you put the whole season on Bill O'Brien, who decided to start Tom Savage in week one and then decides on fourth and one, oh, let's punt the ball back to Tom Brady. Five touchdowns later. How did that work out for you, champ? You lost. Fourth and one, go for the freaking first down and let Deshaun Watson run it up the middle and send Tom Brady home with an L and send you guys with a 2 on record. Never give the ball back to Brady. Ball back Brady. BBP, which I can't stop watching on Facebook. The LeVar Ball reality show, and I hate myself for it, but it's entertaining, and I can't stop watching. And I really want to see LeVar... You know LeVar is going to break up with his girlfriend. He's going to cheat on her because he's going to the NBA. There's no way he's staying with her. She's beautiful. LeVar's girl, if he breaks up, I'm here. I'm single. But it's entertaining to watch the whole family. And you feel, I really hate a guy, that it makes you like LeVar more because his wife had a stroke and he takes care of her. And it's kind of romantic and emotional. And I hate that I'm liking LeVar Ball more. It's making me mad. But when you're, when you're binge-watching Sports Jeopardy on Crackle and watching LeVar Ball's reality show on Facebook, you might as well work for an ice cream shop. <sighs> Sorry, I had to get that off my chest. And I have to watch the latest episode. I hate it. i got to watch Sports Jeopardy immediately, and i got to watch LeVar Ball's stupid reality show on Facebook. What is wrong with me? The Colts beat the Browns to win their first game of the year. Case Keenum shocks the world. To beat the Bucks with 300 yards. I mean, Case freaking Keenum. 
in a game that should have been a lock for the Bucks. The Falcons beat the Lions. I, I said it before in the opening monologue. The refs got it right. The rule book says there's a 10-second runoff after the review. Listen, if they had called him down at the one, maybe the Lions get it off QB sneak and win it. But rules are rules. They had to review it and the runoff without the Lions having any timeouts. Ends the game. Fair win for the Falcons. Meanwhile, the Falcons have won two games in bizarre fashion. Week one, three bears dropped in the red zone. Week three, overturned call. How about that? Cash me outside. The Bills beat the Broncos 26-16. The Broncos, who knows what you're going to get with them. It was at Buffalo. The Bills aren't going to be a playoff team. The Broncos should still be a playoff team. But Trevor Simeon could be hit or miss. Good job of the Bills defense containing him. The Bears beat the Steelers in a shocker in overtime that a game was kind of taken by storm by the national anthem protest and Alejandro Villanueva and the post game by Mike Tomlin who was really fired up and I love Mike Tomlin I wish he was the Jets or I wish he was the Giants head coach he'd probably get rid of the mess that's going on love Mike Tomlin one of my favorite coaches in sports so passionate so fiery and just a guy that you know every single one of those guys in the locker room respect the Titans beat the Seahawks as the Titans they're going to contend all year long for that AFC South and it's a good first step beating the Seahawks, who put up 27 but still fall short. The Chiefs, Kareem Hunt. Kareem Hunt, you can hand rookie of the year right now if he stays healthy. Just had another absurd game. And the Chargers, man, they're in deep doo-doo. It's going to be a long season for the Chargers. 0-3 already. Young Ho lost them. Mr. Koo, not the former Met, but the kicker for the Chargers, has lost two of the three games. This time, the Chiefs just ran all over them. The Packers escape the 0-3 Bengals. By three and the Bengals right now were one of my guys, Emery Hunt, Super Bowl pick. Emery Bay. The Bengals are 0-3 in a train wreck. If they make the Super Bowl, I'm Miles Davis. It's not gonna happen. The Redskins beat the pa- Raiders 27-10 in a game that wasn't competitive, in a game that saw the Raiders just do nothing on offense. And unfortunate to watch. But hey, the Raiders are were due for a loss, and it happens at the Redskins. We'll see if the Redskins can make the a- NFC East interesting. I don't think they will. But who knows? The Cowboys beat the Cardinals. And the Cardinals, if you're a gambling man and had plus three and a half, you were hoping the Cardinals got a touchdown from the five. But they didn't. And then they needed the two-point conversion. They instead didn't even go for the field goal, which was just poor. I mean, Bruce Arians had a lot of head scratchers in that one. I mean, just poor, poor coaching. Not even making it a one-possession game with 45 seconds and leaving your kicker to an outside kick to potentially make it a game. Brucey, 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 what are you doing, man? The Rams beat the 49ers in one of the most unexpected, great Thursday night games in Thursday night history. Where the heck did that come from? What a back and forth. What a wild affair. Wild thoughts. The Rams are 2-1 and one and may surprise some people this year, although I still think they'll only win six games. And that is your week in Football here on the Jake Brown Show. You could follow us at Jake Brown Radio, Jake Brown Show. Subscribe on iTunes and Spotify for however much longer this this show on Radio.com goes, as it could be in its final weeks, in its final months. Who knows? With the merger with Intercom, the uncertainty is in the air, as Pat knows. Just like it was uncertain when the New Jersey Nets left for Brooklyn and hearts were broken in East Rutherford. Coming up on the show this week is Drew Powell and Omar Miller. We got to run because Omar's calling it right now. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Peace.
When the whole family comes together to watch the game, nobody wants to miss a second of the action to run to the grocery store. With Instacart, you can get all your weekly groceries in as fast as an hour. Less time shopping means more game time. Let's go. Visit instacart.com to get free delivery on your first three orders. Offer valid for a limited time. $10 minimum per order. Additional terms apply. And welcome to the Jake Brown Show, CBS Radio's Radio.com, Podcast Network, iTunes, and Spotify, and Stitcher. You could also find us there and follow me at Jake Brown Radio and follow our show at Jake Brown Show. Gotham Season 4 premiered last Thursday on Fox. And this man formerly played Butch Gilzine before he died and uh, now plays Solomon Grundy. Drew Powell on the show. Drew, what's going on, man? Hey, man. Good to talk to you, Jake. Good to talk to you. We we sat in a Met game earlier this year that they probably lost, assuming they've lost uh, a good 75% <laughs> of their games. Uh, That's right. You, have, you've kind of become a Mets fan, right? You weren't a Mets fan before, but you've kind of, uh, I guess, going to games this year become one. That's exactly right. Yeah, I, I was a fan of what, what I uh, lovingly refer to as the cocaine mess of the <laughs> 80s uh, with Daryl Strawberry and Dwight Gooden and uh, all those boys. And uh, uh, I was uh, in elementary school at that time, and you know everybody was trying to emulate uh, Strawberry's batting stance and trying to throw hard like Gooden and Lenny Dykstra, you know, put the big league chew in and get a big old wad like Dykstra used to do. Uh, so yeah, I was a fan of them. I actually went and saw them in uh, Fort St. Lucie spring training, and and uh, but then you know being from the Midwest, and we didn't have a team in Indianapolis, so I kind of bounced around and supported the Reds for a while, and the Cubs, and the White Sox, and the Cardinals, and so now I'm I'm, I'm living in, in New York. I've uh, come back full circle to uh, to be a, to a true Mets fan now. And now you come here in the days where they're trash. I mean, right now it's bad. They're going to probably get better next year with a lot of money coming off the books. Um, those 86 Mets before my time, but I know very well. I know Lenny Dykstra well. I've had him on the show a few times. An absolute nutcase, but absolute hilarity uh, when he comes here. He actually hits on every woman in sight, basically. He hits on the woman at the security desk. He says, I could treat you well, a.k.a. talking about using his tongue in certain places, and Lenny is all over the place, but you got to love him. And those, te- yeah. <laughs> those teams were uh, – we're special in the 80s when the Mets turn around, and hopefully next year the Mets could uh, relive the glory days, but uh, a lot to do before that. And you'll actually be singing, God, uh, not God bless America, you'll be singing the, uh, oh my God, take, take me, out, me to out, out to the ball game, ball game. tonight, yeah. right? That's right, yeah, seventh inning stretch. Uh, I'm going to, uh, as I said to you before, channel my inner Harry Carey. Uh, I was at, the, I was a, at the, uh, Wrigley Field uh, as a kid when Harry was still in his prime and uh and uh, saw him lean out and, you know, even if you're not a Cubs fan, you, you know Harry Carey's uh, classic rendition of Take Me Out to the Ball Game. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. It's going to be going to be a lot of fun. Well, you can't say his name and then not do an impression for me right now. you got to give me a little sample of your Harry Carey voice. Holy cow! <laughs> Look at the little fellow over there He's just having a great time. I don't know what I'm talking about. It's the seventh inning, and... The Cubs is down twelve to nothing. <laughs> Take me out to the ball game. <laughs> I think now, like the new generation, only really knows Will Ferrell's version. So that's like they're doing the version of Will Ferrell's version of Harry Carey, which is pretty good. Oh, it's pr- spot on, man. I mean, that's. Yeah, I mean, he yeah. is Harry Carey's like little identical brother, essentially. Yeah, exactly. uh, it's, it's pretty close. All right, season four. 
of Gotham debuted last week. What's the uh, what's the initial reaction you've gotten so far from the uh, season premiere? You know, people are really digging it, man. It's uh, it's been really nice to see they they um, you know we ended with such a bang last year at the you know the end of season three, and and people really dug that the kind of the two hour finale. And uh, you know, from from what I'm I'm hearing, um, you know, people feel like we have picked up right where we left off. And uh, all I can tell you is <laughs> there's lots more to come. We're I think we're shooting nine right now, um, so we've got uh, eight in the can, and uh, they are they're all pretty pretty incredible, uh, particularly when old Solomon shows up. So, I mean, I'm biased, but of course, of course. How has it been switching to that role? Obviously, Butch Gilzine dead. Uh, dead in the water, and now you're Solomon Grundy. What has it been like the transition to that role? You know, it's been uh, it's been one of the inter- most interesting things I've done in my career, just from a standpoint of you know I kind of had to physically prepare for it. Uh, you know, whereas Butch kind of they wanted Butch to be more soft around the edges. You know, Grundy is more of a brute, and uh, you know I knew I'd be doing a lot more stunt work and fighting and stuff. Uh, uh, and so I really trained for that. It's really hard for for you know the last, you know seven weeks leading up to shooting and now you know maintaining that. So the physical aspect has been different than stuff that I've done in the past. But also you know there's a lot that goes into making Grundy. It's uh, you know anywhere from two to five. Uh, uh, you know there's just there's just a lot that goes into it. So. Uh, so it's uh, it's it's. I think people are going to dig it. There's, you know, I real I saw the uh, the first kind of cuts of it, and uh, I think people are going to dig it. And uh, but I do feel like there's a certain element of, you know, we're putting it out there. People have real serious uh, opinions of Solomon Grundy, and so hopefully they'll, you know, understand that this is kind of our version. We've really tried to hold really true to the comics, and and uh, I think people are going to dig it. Drew Powell joining us from what seems like the subway platform or the Sahara Desert. <laughs> Who knows where he is? Uh, cutting. In. Uh, uh, I'm from Cody from Gotham City, man. It's all going off. We got yeah. sirens and horns and. <laughs> You're reliving the role on the podcast right now. I appreciate the uh, the realism of this. Um, That's right. Keeping it real, man. <laughs> you've been in a lot of different roles throughout your career. What what's it like, kind of being like uh, the evil guy on a show? You look, bad guys always have more fun. There's no doubt about it. Uh, but, uh, I, you know, I always like to bring a little heart to the bad guys. So the best comments I get are when people are like, you know, you do all these awful things like shoot your buddy in the face or, you know, you know, take take people's arms off. But, uh, you know, I, I really find myself rooting for you. So to me, if that's the case, then I've done my job. It's, uh, it's nice to bring a little humanity to the brutes. Were you a big Batman fan as a kid in the shows and the movies? Uh, you know, I was. I was much more a fan of the movies uh, and the TV show than than I was the comics, just because I, you know, uh, didn't have the comics readily available. But uh, man, starting with the first Batman movie and all the way through, I've, I've, Batman's always been my favorite. I always loved that that he was more rooted in reality than than with the superpowers. Um, uh, and so to be a part of that world has been pretty great. Is it kind of surreal? Like you're you're doing like a Batman kind of TV show from such a popular series. That's got to be an incredible moment for your career. Absolutely. I mean, we talk a lot about um, how you know. Look, any actor wants to get a job. That's that's the <laughs> that's the the golden ring. It's just to get a steady gig. But then to get a gig on a show like this, where you get to, you get to do all this fun and crazy stuff. Um, 
you know, I think all of us uh, can can say unequivocally it's uh, one of the most fun jobs we'll ever have. Um, so we're, and what I love about our group is that none of us take it for granted. We all really appreciate it. Uh, we appreciate each other, and, and uh, we appreciate this moment in time. It won't last forever, so we want to enjoy it while we can. That sounded like romantic, like out of a, out of a novel or something. <laughs> this won't last. This love won't last forever. Um, That's right, man. <laughs> where does this rank? Yeah, where does this rank in in terms of TV series you've done? I mean, you've been part of The Mentalist. You were back in Malcolm in the Middle back in the day. Um, but where, where does Gotham rank in your career? Like, that? well, uh, you know, Gotham kind of was a game changer for me. I, I've done a lot of stuff. I've been fortunate enough to do a lot of stuff in my career, but but Gotham, you know, was kind of the thing that that uh, has kind of defined a, this kind of section of my career, and and, and I'm I'm proud of that. Um, it's something that uh, I've enjoyed. I think people have enjoyed watching, and um, so, so yeah, it's been it's been really interesting, and, and especially as I'm kind of, um, you know, uh, it, it gone from my being the, the young spry guy into a more mature. This is this is coming at just the right time. So it'll be interesting to see what happens from here. What's it been like working with Michael Gruen's best buddy David Mazuz? Uh, obviously. Uh, we call Gruen the young mogul, but David's kind of a young a young star, and he's playing Bruce Wayne. I mean, main role. I mean, he's what fourteen, fifteen, whatever, sixteen years old, uh, and oh, he's killing. Yeah. What's it been like working with him? Oh man, he's great. I mean, that guy is uh, you know, it's sixteen going on thirty six. He's mature beyond his years. Uh, some of my favorite stuff in, in all of Gotham is the stuff that he and Sean Pertwee, who plays Alfred, do together. They uh, they have some really amazing stuff together. They're, they uh, that relationship between Bruce and Alfred is particularly impressive and uh, and really well done. And so yeah, he's he's very. Uh, I'm very impressed by by what such a guy, such a young guy, is able to produce. Um, and he's a he's a humble and sweet guy too. So. Uh, nothing not to like about him. What do you think about the development of his character as these seasons have gone on here? Uh, you know, I, I think it's uh, they're doing a great job. It's a natural progression. It's the young Bruce Wayne, you know, slowly becoming, uh, you know, a man first and then Batman second. And um, I think that's why I like the, the connection between he and Alfred because uh, they, you know, that's part of the deal. It's Alfred, uh, you know, helping him. He doesn't have parents, so Alfred's a guy and helping him, you know, grow into what will be the Dark Knight. Drew Powell, A.K. Solomon Grunny, at the Drew Powell on Twitter. I'm going to let you get back to Gotham City and warm up your voice for uh, the big uh, seventh inning stretch tonight. Appreciate you coming on the show, man. Dude, look forward to the next time, Jake. Thanks for having me. All right, man. Take care. Why? Why? If you Why? have T-Mobile 5G home internet, you might be hearing this Why? a lot. Why? Every time your internet slows down during the busiest hours. Why? Why? Because your network gives priority to cell phone users. Why? Why? Good question. Why not switch to Cox Internet with two times faster download speeds than T-Mobile 5G home internet during peak hours? Okay. Stop the whys and visit cox.com slash 5G home for details. T-Mobile prioritizes certain T-Mobile phone users over home internet users during times of congestion. 